Wednesday, it's hump day, middle of the weekday. We're now closer to Friday than we were on Monday. That's a good thing. A little bit chilly getting up this morning. Uh, first time in several weeks that I started my car up out in the garage and let it get a little warm before I got into it uh, today to head on here to work. But uh, when I left my house in Cabot about 45 minutes ago, it was uh, 30 two degrees so it was freezing but it took a while to get there so um, if you happen to forget your plants outside last night they're probably going to survive but they may be a little weak just to let you know all right let's start off the show today with dr meredith young she's the director uh out at uh, harding university for the degree completion in education program and uh, Doc, welcome to the show. How are you? You got a nice big hot cup of coffee there or something? Good morning. Thanks for having me. I've got my big old glass of water ready. Okay. So you you uh, you hydrate first thing that you do when you get up in the morning? Absolutely. I wish I were a coffee drinker, but I'm not. So well, that's all right. for me. <laughs> I can help you change that if you want to change. I can teach you how to like coffee. <laughs> it's good to have you with us today. Let's start off talking about uh, what is Harding's degree completion and education program. Bring us up to date on this. Well, um, we're actually doing kind of a relaunch, reboot of this program that we've had for several years. Um, but it's a program for non-traditional students who have maybe taken coursework in the past and didn't finish. Um, and decide that they really want to become a teacher. And so this program offers um, those individuals the opportunity to get a Bachelor of Arts degree, and um, they can do that to get a teaching license to either teach pre-K, birth to kindergarten, um, elementary education, or middle school. Um, We've got students from all different ages and all different walks of life who just fit that non-traditional mold. All right, so what does the student have to to do to get into this program? I mean, what are their requirements? So um, the first thing is they just need to live in Arkansas. Um, This program is really for any anybody in Arkansas. But other than that, they either need an associate's degree um, along with the required pre- uh, prerequisite coursework that we need them to have, or they can have completed a minimum of 60 hours of college coursework somewhere along with that required coursework. Um, those students, typically what they'll do is um, reach out to me and via our website or, or call, and I'll look at their transcripts to see what coursework they have completed and what coursework they still may need to take at a two-year institution before um, coming over to us. And we work out a semester-by-semester semester plan just to help them um, be able to finish that degree. All right. Well, that sounds really good. Now, evidently, you can teach up and through uh, middle school, but no high school. Is that right? 
That is correct. Unfortunately, right now, we don't offer um, the high school uh, 712 secondary as an option. Part of that is because um, students who want to teach secondary have to have a lot of extra content material specific to exactly what they want to teach, whether that's math or science or social studies. And we don't have the capacity at this point to be able to offer all of those different courses. So um, the courses in the birth to kindergarten, elementary and middle school are similar with a few exceptions. And so that's why those are the three we offer right now. All right. Uh, Is that something that you're hoping to reach out and reach and get ready for people uh, in the future? It could definitely be a possibility. Um, Right now, we're really trying to focus on these three. And then the birth to kindergarten hasn't been as huge in the past. um, But right now, there are um, uh, lots of pre-Ks that want to hire people that have a bachelor's degree. So that's one that we're really trying to focus on. And once we get those three rolling, it may be definitely a possibility. All right. So uh, let's talk a little bit uh about the courses that you're going to offer as far as this program goes. If someone decides they want to do this, what kind of faces them uh, as far as the coursework goes? Sure, absolutely. Well, um, this program previously for someone who may have seen um, the Harding North Little Rock campus or the Harding Northwest Arkansas campus, um, it it used to be face-to-face where students would come in in the evenings after work and Monday, Tuesday, or Thursday, and complete their coursework. But what we've done over the last year, partially due to COVID um, and then partially just due to change, is we've changed this program to be completely online. And so... Oh, wow, uh, that's good. What students do is they... um, There'll be some classes that are asynchronous where they work at their own pace just to meet those deadlines, but there are other classes that will be synchronous where they may have a Zoom or Google Meet um, on Monday, Tuesday, or Thursday evenings from 530 to 8.30. Some of those classes are classes that just need a little bit more discussion, um, and so we still have it where they can work in the day and do these classes at night. Um, And... Also, our classes are offered in eight-week blocks. So what we typically do is have students take two classes at a time. So over a full semester, that means they would take four classes, um, 12 hours for that whole semester. Some students take more, some students take less, but that's on average what we do. And then um, they take classes fall, spring, and summer to kind of help them get through the program a little faster. All right, we're going to go ahead and grab a quick break, and then I've got more questions for you, and uh, we'll talk further about this, and uh, we'll continue our conversation. Meredith Young is with us. She's the uh, director of uh, the Degree Completion in Education program at Harding University. As you, I want to talk to you a little bit about how this whole thing has changed as far as doing work on online and Zoom meetings and all of that. You know, COVID-19 cost a lot of people their lives, but we've also seen some major changes in the way that we do business and the way we do education. So let's talk a little bit about that as well. Meredith will be back with me in just a moment. Okay, so we got low inventory in houses now. That means there's not that many houses people have put up for sale. And we have low interest rates, which means the financing is available for you to buy a house. 
So if you want to buy a house and there's fewer houses out there, that means you're going to have to fight to get the house that you want probably. And it also means if you've got a house and you're trying to sell it, you may have multiple offers on that house because there's not that many houses being offered. That's where Dustin Turner comes in. Dustin Turner uh, is able to give you the marketing plan. He's uh, got great strategies that make your house stand out. So what you'll want to do is talk to him and find out what it is exactly he thinks that you need to do. Look, we all look at our houses and we go, now if I did this, the, the, the kitchen maybe isn't 100% up to date. Should I go ahead and make it up to date or should I wait? Well, those are questions Dustin Turner can answer because you don't want to spend money that you don't have to spend if it's not going to help you out to sell the house. So turn to somebody like Dustin Turner, who is a a professional at this and can give you all the necessary information you need of what you need to do to make your house the house that people are looking at and they want to move into your home. They want to make it their home. Call Dustin Turner today, 501-952-2967. That's 501-952-2969, and he'll help you out with that. I mean, this is the guy, this is the agent that I would call if I needed to sell my home right now. You'll give you the necessary information to make that happen. You'll get the best price that you can get for it. And you'll walk away with a smile on your face. Now, you can do this online, too, at hometeamsoldit.com. That's hometeamsoldit.com. And just start packing. All right, back with you. We're going to finish up our conversation with Meredith Young, director Uh, for the degree completion in education at Harding University. We've talked a little bit about this uh, process thus far. One of the things that we have uh, talked about is uh, the whole uh, thing about when our classes offer, usually, uh, or up until this time, uh, it was kind of face-to-face meetings. Now there's, uh, you know, meetings on uh, computer with Zoom meetings. There's going on and completing computer classes, things of that nature. Do you see this, Meredith? I I know this makes it easier for people to do the classes, but do you think that it's as good to be online as it is to be in person? Well, that's a great question, Dave. Um, I personally love face-to-face classes just because of the interaction. However, um, we're finding that um, a lot of students really appreciate the opportunity um, to have online classes because, yeah. um, you know, flexibility, but they still, with the Zoom option, in, instead of having a completely asynchronous program where they don't ever see an instructor, the option to have Zoom gives some of that flexibility. So they still get to build relationships with their instructors. They still have the opportunity to, you know, see them on screen and ask questions and have some of those conversations that would have happened if they were in a face-to-face setting. So, um, you know, it's not the same as if we were to just have a completely online work at your own pace program. It's still 
provides some of that opportunity that you would have with a face-to-face. You know, I think that this is going to get even better. Uh, we've all got probably 4G, but here very soon we'll all have 5G, and that those those times when you're watching a Zoom meeting and it sounds like everybody's underwater or whatever, and I look for the bubbles coming from their mouth and stuff, uh, those are going to go the way of the dodo bird. It's going to be almost like sitting in class, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And with the way that things have evolved with Zoom or Google Meet or which, whichever program you, you want to use, um, they've made it to where you can do breakout sessions and still have small groups and, uh, you know, still do some of the things that you might do in a face-to-face setting. Now, of course, it's never going to be exactly the same, but there's an opportunity to still keep students engaged and to still get the information across that you want to get across to them. Very cool. That's very cool. Now, we talk about all of this, but there is always a bottom line, and that's the bottom line, and that is how much does it cost? Uh, and if somebody has a little problem making that kind of uh, money so they can take these uh, courses, are there uh, discounts and scholarships available with it? Absolutely. So um, previously, students in this program automatically received a 33% discount on tuition. Wow. Uh, so that made tuition um uh, you know, around $500 a credit hour, which which is very helpful, especially for a non-traditional student, somebody that, you know, maybe single mom or a parent, um, working, not working, that kind of thing. But, but as of this summer, um, summer 2021, um, we are dropping our tuition to be right around $400 per credit hour, which is huge um, for students in this program to get that kind of a discount. Um, the other thing is they can apply for financial aid. They can use um, the Arkansas Challenge Scholarship if they have that or local scholarships. So we accept all of those, and we work with students on payment plans if they need that along the way. You know, what's really kind of strange is that when I went to college, and that was 71 to 76, 19, 20th century, not 21st century, the 20th century, my cost per hour, are you ready for this? $75 an hour. Oh, that's amazing. That <laughs> <is> amazing. <laughs> it's gone up a little bit since I've been in college, but, you know, the, the teaching has, has increased and gotten better as well. So let's talk about something that teachers need to do when they're learning to teach, and that's student teaching. How do you accomplish that with this the, the way that you all are moving with this? Sure. Well, the student teaching semester is the one semester that candidates in our program won't be able to have a day job um, because they're expected for um, that semester around 18 weeks to be in a classroom with a teacher from the time they get there to the time they leave. And then sometimes may have evening stuff if there are activities or parent-teacher conferences. Um, So that's the one time that they will Uh, not be able to work during the day. But um, as far as placements, what we do is um, we have an internship coordinator that works with districts and schools to place interns. So they get to pick the school that they would prefer to work at during um, the internship semester, and we work to make that happen. So they don't have to do um, all of the searching for a placement, and they can be close to where they live and not have to drive. So um, 
we try to help them out with that. We take care of all the, the, the pre-work on that, and then they just do their internship. And then during that semester, they'll also have kind of a seminar-type class where um, they do actually come in face-to-face for that, but it's in place of their internship that day. So it's during the day, um, and we do resumes, interviewing, things to really help them get ready for their job. And then that class may eventually be on Zoom, but right now we're still, we're, we're kind of working through that, but um, it gives them all those opportunities as far as their internship goes to get ready for a job. One thing that I found interesting is I was, uh, you know, right, I was reading this information that was provided to me concerning this is uh, placing these, these uh, interns with two uh, cooperating teachers so that the intern can experience different grade levels and uh, during their, their placements. Can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, if you're going into, what, middle school, they, they have you doing the, the early grade, I guess, what is that, seventh grade, and then have you doing maybe a ninth grade too? Is that the way it's going to work? Absolutely. That's a great question. So um, our, uh, our elementary, for elementary majors, they're going to get a teaching license that is kindergarten through sixth grade. So we like them to, to do one placement that would be around nine weeks in a kindergarten through third grade kind of placement, and then another in fourth through sixth grade. And then for that middle school, which is going to be a fourth through eighth grade license, we like them to do one that's in fourth, fifth, sixth, and then another one that's six, seven, or eight, giving them kind of that opportunity to see a younger grade and an older grade and really decide where they think they might want to be in the future. Yeah, because somebody that's out going to be a teacher, they might say, well, I don't want to deal with those little kids. I want to have the bigger kids. And you might find that the little kids, when you go in and work with them, you enjoy that more than working with the bigger kids. It might change your whole, whole viewpoint. Absolutely. I was in that very situation. I used to think that I wanted to work with um, in an elementary school, and I ended up teaching actually in Cabot um, in seventh and eighth grade and junior high and loved it and um, loved the middle grades. Wow. So what school were you at in Cabot? That's my hometown. Uh, well, I heard you say that earlier. Um, I was at... Um, junior high south okay starting out and then i moved um into administration at middle school south all right know exactly where you were at you best school district in the state as far as i'm concerned so uh, it was a great one. if people want to get involved in this is it harding.edu slash d's well, you go ahead and give the address it's harding.edu slash dc education and on that website there is a link to submit information that will come straight to me and i'll do a virtual session or um, send emails with information or take a phone call either way whatever works best okay so i'm going to assume they should get their paperwork in asap Absolutely. We have already started enrolling for summer and fall classes. Um, and so the sooner the better. But of course, we'll take, uh, we'll have conversations any time of the year. All right. Meredith, thanks for the time. We appreciate you joining us here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. You know, Harding has been just really been on the, the tip of the spear 
on doing a lot of this material that we just talked about today and talking about a lot of different uh, uh, degree programs that you all are offering now. You're to be uh, commended for what you're doing. Well, we really appreciate it. We appreciate you having us on today. Well, that's great. Thanks a lot. We will talk to you later. That was Meredith Young, Director of Degree Completion in uh, education here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. We've got news coming your way, and uh, after the news, Ken Yang will be here. He and I will talk, and I bet you can't guess what we're going to talk about. Only the biggest story that happened, and of course that was yesterday in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, I think there's some questions to be asked, and I think those questions are going to get asked. Is that the final trial uh, for the defendant or because Maxine Waters ran off her big mouth and even the president did, uh, is that going to be enough for a judge to say, we need to have another trial, you know, and, and going to cause cause for a mistrial. We'll talk about that when we come back. Ken Yang is next on the Dave Ellswick show. I had somebody uh, text me yesterday and said, Dave, you're really pushing this Pat Davis. And I wrote back, yeah, I am, because he's he's going to save you money. And here's the problem. I, I'm talking to you about this, but many of you are not calling him to talk to him about this because your specifics play a large uh, part in what Pat Davis is going to tell you you need to do. So let me give you the phone number again, 501-605-6935. That's uh, 501-605-6935, or online, you can go to yourhealthplanman.com. And I know I give all these facts. Let me let me run through them again, and you all think I'm nuts. Uh, save 30 to 50% on your health insurance. Now, I know some of you have businesses out there, and you've talked to me about how health insurance keeps creeping up, and you're finding it more and more uh, tough to uh, give your workers health care. If you save 30 to 50% on what you had to what you get, you think you might be able to afford it and it might be a little easier on your pocketbook, then you need to talk to Pat Davis. If you're self-employed and you're wondering, how do I afford health insurance being a self-employed individual, you need to talk to Pat Davis and see what he can do for you. Uh, how about a health a plan that, you know, you're not paying for stuff that you don't want to pay for? In other words, you don't believe in it, like abortion, things of that nature. Uh, you need to talk to Pat about that. And then you need to know that this is actual insurance and not a share plan, that you can choose any provider in the nation. And there are no copay, uh, no copays. In fact, excess money goes to the client instead of the insurance company. I know all of that sounds like, I can't believe all of that. Well, call Pat and talk to him about your specific individual, and then do me a favor. I want you to send me a text again and say, Dave, I'm glad I listened to you, and I called Pat Davis at 501-605-6935. Or that you went online and talked to Pat at yourhealthplanman.com. I know it sounds too good to be true. I'm just telling you, there's a lot of things that people say are too good to be true. Uh, the Dodge coin or whatever that's out there now, 
Did you guys hear uh, uh, Billy Miller talking about that on the air yesterday? He bought it at four cents when he first bought it. Yesterday, before I'm not May closed higher than this, it was at 42 cents, a 900% jump. And I will tell you that he's, he, he bought quite a bit of it <laughs> when he bought it. So he's he's feeling good. Now, here's here's the difference between me and some people that are in the business of, uh, you know, financials. Uh, I say it jumped 900% and I go, yes. They see it didn't hit a dollar and they go, oh, well, come on, man. From four cents to a dollar, that's a huge jump. Now, just think if you bought about 3,000 shares of that. You're talking some money that you made. In fact, Billy said with what he bought and what he has made, he's taking his wife on a cruise this summer. She'll be glad he did it. I'm just saying I'm not I'm not pushing that or Bitcoin or anything. I'm just saying it's like that whole thing sounded too good to be true. It wasn't. People got into it and making money at it, just like this whole thing with Pat Davis dealing with health health insurance and saving money and getting great, great service. All right, Ken Yang has walked into the studio. He's joined me. I told him he didn't have to come in until 630 because he wouldn't want to get in that that, uh, conversation with Harding University. But he's with us now, and I bet you you can guess what I want to talk about right now. What's the biggest story of the day right now, Ken? Uh, The guilty and all the counts. That's it. That's exactly what it is. But the bigger story is, is what Representative Maxine Waters and the president himself did before the verdict, enough for a judge to look at it and looked at a judge, you know, smack down Maxine Waters from the bench and that's a big deal from the bench and that you and I don't understand why this happened they didn't sequester the jury so the jury had access uh, access to their cell phones uh stuff that was being written on on the internet watching the news in the evening all of that and you go and you say well the judge told him not to watch that can we all laugh together? Of course they paid attention to it. Did it have any effect on their verdict? I'll tell you something else. Commentators on uh, the Talking Head shows, well, if they don't find him guilty, they're going to burn Minneapolis down. I'm just, all of that played into this. I uh, think that's uh, why it only, I t- agree. It I only mean, took 10 hours. That says a lot right yes, there. Yes, and, and uh, you know, the jurors are supposed to be protected. Uh, and so, I mean, you think if they're if they're going to burn Minneapolis down and Minnesota down, then, you know, if the 12 jurors came back and said not guilty, man, that, that'd be an awful life to live because all these woke people would go after the 12 jurors. And it's going to get out. Yep. I'll guarantee you that there's news people that are calling on every one of their sources right now, give me a name. Yep. And give me an address. How about that guy that, for the defense, talked about, you know, that uh, this uh, Mr. Floyd may not have died because of the knee on his neck. It may have been he had an enlarged heart and all kinds of Mm -hmm. things of that nature. Uh, His house was smeared in blood. Yes, 
Yeah, I saw that article. Yeah, I mean, his he they they came out looking for him. Yeah, I mean, I I personally thought I think that uh, he would been not guilty on the the higher count and then guilty on the last two counts, uh, kind of mixed mixed bag. But uh, I was I was shocked they did uh, not guilty, and um, I mean, it's sad that all the way in Arkansas that they you know had the roads blocked leading up to the state capitol just here in Little Rock yesterday, right before the verdict was uh, was given down. Because they're afraid of a, you know, all across the country. Yep. There was a riots. Not, yeah, riots. I mean, there are still riots even with the guilty votes. Yeah, uh, but with the with a not guilty vote, there was a, a fear of uh, um, riots and you know. All right, for people who want to know what is going to happen, first thing that they'll do is they're going to file a post-trial motion with the trial judge, and they're going to ask. They have the case thrown out, and they're going to they're going to name the the, the jury wasn't sequestered. They could have been uh, watching the news or whatever. Saw people talking about they'll be rioting in the street. They'll be burning down the cities across America, and that would have an effect on whether a person finds the person guilty or not guilty. Uh, those typically are just thrown out. I mean, that's just tossed tossed out. Then the sentencing process, why is it taking two months to sentence this guy? Why couldn't they sentence him yesterday? I, I That I've never understood. Why does it take him so long? They got direction in the law about that. I've never understood why sentencing takes so long. I mean, even here in Arkansas, we got politicians that are guilty, and they're still waiting on sentencing. Yeah. And, like, <clears throat> I feel like, you think as a judge, you know what they're going going to be guilty or not guilty of, so you should already be able to say, well, if it comes in guilty, then this is the sentence. If it comes in not guilty, there'll be no sentence. Or if it comes in partially, then I'll, yeah. you know. You got what you're going to do. Here's what's going to happen. I didn't know all this happens. They said uh, the, the sentencing process includes an investigation conducted by the probation department. And the comprehensive workup presented to the judge. What workup? I mean, I'm seriously. I what? What do you got to work up? Both the prosecution and defense teams then will present their cases. So that's where you're going to get members of the family standing in front of the judge saying, yep. "You don't ever have my father back," and all of that. And then you'll have the people from the defensive side come out and say, "Look, this guy was an all right guy." I don't know if they can find anybody yeah. like that, but they're going to be looking for him. The state has sought to have an aggravated sentence imposed via the Blakely motion after sentencing the appeal time starts, and that's what I'm looking at. I'm, I personally feel that we're going to see a secondary trial. That's what I think. I think that, uh, that uh, Congresswoman Waters really put her foot in it, to be honest with you. And I, I think the president did, too. Now, though the president didn't say he's guilty, uh, with what he said, you could figure he was 99.9% saying he should be guilty. And I had this, I you know, President Trump would say things about ongoing uh, cases uh, in front of judges. And as God is my witness... You've got to be quiet on those things. If you're the president or you're a congresswoman or you're a senator, 
you don't know what kind of effect what you're saying might have on the legal process that's going on. So just sit back and shut up and wait like the rest of us. And don't, here's what the president should have said. I'm going to tell you what I think he should have said. When they asked him what he thought about the uh, the trial, he should have said, I'm not going to say anything right now because I don't want to screw up anything that's going on in the courtroom. Mm. You know, they could take what I say and, and completely misrepresent it. And I don't want to take that chance. So guys, I'm not going to say anything. Bottom line. I think that that would have been the, the proper thing to do. Well, and, uh, another proper thing to do would be for the judge to be an actual judge. Yeah. You know, of course, the, the liberal media is not going to report about the judge and how bad, poorly the judge handled this case. I, I, I will say this. He made me happy when he slapped down Maxine Waters yeah. from the bench. I'm going to tell you what, when the judge says something from the bench, it carries a whole lot more uh, weight than if he just said it in a news conference. Yeah. You know, he's, he's saying, you have disrespected the law, is what he's saying to her. And why the Democrats would protect her in uh, not being, you know, found guilty of doing stuff that she shouldn't have done and at least said uh, censoring her. Oh, of course it's a double, they didn't do that. double standard. Yeah, they, you know, they, where, they impeached Trump about that. Yeah, well, when, when Trump in his speech never said anything about violence, but yet everyone said, well, he inferred you know, to be violent or led people that way or whatever, while she blatantly says... Get more confrontational. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, con- continued double standard for the and she tried. Woke, woke she left. tried to to play that. Oh, I wasn't saying. They, I'm just saying they should get out in the streets and protest. No, uh-uh. you were talking to people who were already out in the street protesting. You were saying, "Hey, where you're at right now, you need to become more confrontational." We'll talk more about this. Let's take a quick break. Uh, Ken Yang is here. He is the uh, chairman of the Slane County Republican Party. Joining me here today on the Dave Ellswick Show. We want to welcome East End Towing uh, to the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, they have now uh, become one of those uh, groups, one of those businesses that backs this show, makes sure that it stays on the air. And they, they want you to know what they do. Uh, first of all, first thing they want you to do is know what you do when you need a tow truck. You know, what do you do with a broken down car? You know, about they want you to know that if you can pull to a parking lot or on the right shoulder, if you can, and, uh, you know, get away from any hazards on the road so that the tow operators can get in there and do their job because tow operators have been killed and uh, because of people driving around while they're doing their work. Slow down and move over. Uh, for the tow trucks. Uh, accidents happen. Uh, when you have an accident, make sure that you call 911. You know, know a little bit about the process. When the police arrive, they're going to take a report. Uh, if the vehicle needs uh, to be towed, uh, you have the right to request what tow service you want to use. And I would say you should use East in Towing. Their number is 501 888 Forty-nine again, 
501-888-8849. Write that on a piece of paper later. Put it in your glove compartment so that you can make sure uh, that they come out and take care of you because they'll do a great job. That's eastendtowing.com. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're going to change subjects. Okay. We started talking. I I talked about this uh, yesterday, and uh, I was stunned when I read Roby Brock's one-on-one with the governor, and and Roby made the statement right at the beginning of the the, uh, interview about that I think he thinks that Governor Asa Hutchinson's going to run for president. And I I, I just asked you during the break, yep. and you said what? I said, yeah. I you said, think he'll run? I said, I think it's an option. Uh, I, 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 well, it's you an know, option yeah, for anybody. I know, but I don't see why not. You know, I, I don't think you create a national organization to help governors in other states to get elected and continue to go on national media uh, literally every weekend to raise your profile uh, and appear on two two shows on the weekend yeah, that's right that's right and so you know he he's always had the governor's always had national connections uh and continues to have them and you know he can't really run for anything else here here in the state especially with senator bozeman running for re-election and uh you know the next uh thing to run for would be president of the united states does Asa do you do you feel like he has the viewpoint of the Republican Party as the Republican Party was fifteen, twenty years ago, that it was the party for big business, that he's yet to figure out that the people now that are supporting the Republican Party is not big business, but it's the average guy that's uh, working a job. I I think the governor when he looks at national politics, you know, when you look at the presidential races and people that have been nominated in the past prior to President Trump have been relative moderates. Uh, but once again, Mitt Romney, uh, when people say that, when I say that, I say, well, guess what? Mitt Romney's not president. Bob Dole's not president. Nope. John McCain was never president. And so that may, that used to work. You know, there's there's a push to probably go back to that. You know, I, I've been criticized for, you know, my choices in presidential candidates in the past because I, I tend to like to choose someone that's more conservative but more pragmatic. Mm-hmm. And pragmatic people nowadays seem more moderate. Except when they, they take off and their pragmatism takes them to the left. Correct. Correct. And so, you know, I, that's why I supported Newt Gingrich in 2012 because I thought he was conservative. But he was pragmatic because of his track record of working with President Clinton and getting things done. You don't you don't always get everything you want, uh, but you get a lot of the things that you want. Okay. And so, but I think we've gone to the the extreme of both ends where it's all or nothing. That's the way it is now in politics. Yeah, it's all it's all or nothing. And I I think the the governor uh, is attempting to try to go back to that that age. There's and no there's no going back to that. I don't think so. And, and as and as long as President Trump is considering running in 2024, there's definitely not a path to. Did to you that read realm. the transcript of his interview with uh, Hannity? 
Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, Pretty but I, but interesting I, yeah. what he said. But I know he, you know, he had said he's strongly considering it. And then there was that picture of him and Governor DeSantis having dinner uh-huh. uh, a couple couple nights ago, and that you know that's definitely interesting because I think DeSantis is the is the front runner. If, if he Trump is right run. now, yeah, there's a long time now there's between over, now yeah. and 24. I mean, I, I still think Nome is a is a viable candidate out there. Some people say, well, she screwed up on the NCAA. No, she didn't screw up on that. That that that's a lot deeper than just she wasn't just, she wasn't saying that boys can be you know girls or anything like that that she didn't say any of that she just wanted them to pull back and say we want that law to affect through high school because if they went into college the NCAA was going to make it very and they have made it even clearer now that they won't bring anything to your state yeah but that's a Democrat talking point. Yeah. If they continue to have regional events in Idaho who passed this law, you think they're not going to have a super regional in Arkansas? If Arkansas continues to be number one, they're going to have a super regional here. Uh, I mean, well, you know. of course, they had a super regional last year. Yeah. Here I mean, there's no, and, and the, you know, they have to make a woke statement, but they're going to continue to do business as is. Go back to sleep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they could do business That's the way as it I is. Feel about you may, that. you know, and and you know, my my personal, you know, Governor Nome is she, she's not conservative. I'll just put it that way. Oh, you don't opinion. think so? No, of course uh, not. Just look at her track record as a congresswoman. We'll have to see what happens. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens. I think I don't think she'd get the nomination, but I do think somebody might be looking people, at her as a running that, mate. You talk about big business people that caved to big business like Governor Nome mm-hmm. shouldn't be in positions of power. What about Nikki Haley? Oh, she'd be great. All right, could be. I she. I think she's a good uh, possibility for vice president. Because if Trump runs again, yep. Trump would be the nominee. I have no doubt in my mind about that. That's something more we can talk about coming up. Though we've got uh, Congressman uh, Hill going to join us, and then Congressman Westerman are going to join us. We got a lot to talk about today. We got Minneapolis to talk about. We got the Green New Deal to talk about. We got a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff out there. Stick around. It's coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. you second hour and final hour of a uh, hump day show today we're middle of the week we are closer to friday than we were on monday that's a good thing we're going to go to washington dc right now uh ken yang is sitting across from me he's the chairman of the Celine republican party and hello congressman hill how are you today and how how's the weather up there in washington 
It's a beautiful, cool spring day, <clears throat> and what's nice about going back and forth every week is I get to extend the pretty seasons of the year. So the tulips are just coming up here as they end in Little Rock, so it's a beautiful day here in Wokington. Wokington, <laughs> I like Wokington. that. Wokington, D.C. Hmm. We got to go. I'm gonna, I'm, can, I, can I use that? Licensed free to you. With okay. No <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate that. You know what I like about Washington, D.C. during the springtime? The cherry blossoms. It it was uh, beautiful, and I've got my cherry blossom tie on today. Just thinking about this is one of my favorite times of year up here, and uh, it really is pretty. And the city is opening up, but um, you know we still don't have everything ready for the tourist season. I hope it's all ready to go for folks who want to bring their kids up and see the sights this well, summer. I got to tell you what you go out by that white supremacist monument of Thomas Jefferson. And uh, the uh, cherry, uh, the cherry blossoms are just beautiful along the Potomac out there. It's a great place, great place. They to are, go. but in the uh, Washingtonian magazine that came out this week, uh, they report that by 2040, the Jefferson Memorial will stand in four feet of water at high tide. So, climate change has come to the mall. And uh, they just don't know what to do about it. So. All right. Well, let's talk about that because the Democrats uh, this last week had really upped their their verbiage about the Green New Deal. Uh, why don't you talk to my listeners and to your constituents right now about what the Green New Deal will do to America? Well, this is very important because you know that uh, that was a big campaign issue. Bernie Sanders, the big supporter of the Green New Deal with his uh friends, Ed Markey of Massachusetts, uh, the senator, and of course, Ocasio-Cortez here in the House, they basically took Joe Biden's idea to do bipartisan infrastructure and turned it into the Green New Deal with a $2 trillion tax increase. That's why you don't see Joe Biden's infrastructure bill going anywhere. It's tied up in debates inside the Democratic Party and obviously with Republicans, and it's because it's been hijacked. You have at the maximum definition of true infrastructure, which is transit, broadband, roads and bridges and highways, <clears throat> only about 25% of that bill is infrastructure. The rest of it is green mandates uh, from the Green New Deal. But that wasn't enough. Just this week, Ed Markey and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez have introduced the Green, Do green New Deal 2.0 with a price tag of 93 trillion dollars on it <laughs> 93 tri where do they think we're going to get this money at congressman well it only works out to about six hundred thousand dollars a person or so i can't i don't i'm not even sure my calculator divides by numbers that large but the bottom line is uh that's the mission the mission is to uh have the government take over business and they they are going to do that through the back door of threatening everybody with climate change and their ever-changing definition of what is climate change yeah well so this this whole thing about the jefferson memorial is going to be underwater or whatever or not completely underwater but you know several feet of water has to be from people who are talking about climate change oh definitely and you know we don't need to dag get down into the weeds on that but the globe is sinking in various places along the coast and has been since the earth was created and one of the soft places where you have continental 
sinking is uh, the Chesapeake Bay. And it's a long-standing geological fact going back, obviously, generations and generations. But now that fact is being, you know, accused of being caused by climate change. So this is this is what we get. We spent all day, six hours yesterday, with your favorite member of Congress, uh, Maxine Waters, oh, in, yeah, absentia, in absentia, because she doesn't come to the committee all day. She'd been woodshedded by the speaker, so she hid in her office all day yesterday while people condemned her ridiculous remarks when she went to Minneapolis. Uh, she can go to Minneapolis, participate in a riot, and uh, and we can't have a regular meeting in our committee. Our committee was hybrid yesterday with more than half of the people on uh, computer screens. Okay, so that brings up an interesting question. McCarthy wanted to have her censored. Democrats say, no, we're not going to do that. But the president said, make a peaceful march, and he was saying, they said that he said that the people should go and, and uh, you know, bum rush the, the Capitol or whatever, and they uh, do a secondary impeachment on him. How does, other than the, the names are different, how are there, the way that they responded different? I yeah, mean, so the hypocrisy is, is thick. You can cut it with a knife. Uh, we've seen that all along. We talk about 1-6 as if it were Pearl Harbor, but we never fail to mention 614 when a crazy Bernie Sanders supporter took a 223 rifle with uh, high rounds and began systematically trying to kill uh, almost 20 members of the House Republican That's right. uh, baseball team. You know, we don't ever mention that. <clears throat> and, you know, the FBI testified before the House Intelligence Committee last week that that was death by cop. B.S. There were no cops present. No, no the the... Two Capitol policemen were there only in the good fortune that Steve Scalise was there. They were in plain clothes in a plain clothes vehicle. That guy was an assassin. Mm -hmm. And yet we don't talk about that. No, we don't talk about it. So you you get that hypocrisy. Uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi last night and Steny Hoyer, her number two, that's the, the House Majority Leader, they each manned the two doors that people come in the House and whip the vote. Uh, to keep Maxine from being censured, because four members of the House Democratic Caucus had suggested they might, and uh, they held their held their vote. And I wouldn't want to be on the floor trying to defend Maxine Waters. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, and with what she said in Minneapolis, there is a good possibility. Chauvin was found guilty on all three counts. That there may be ordered a retrial because of what she said and what the president said. Yeah, I just, I urge everybody on both sides, uh, you know, of the aisle to let justice, let the justice system uh, proceed. We have blind justice. We want it to be neutral. We don't want it tainted. And when politicians engage right in the middle of jury deliberations or jury selection, loudly and vocally uh, with their opinion, I don't think that serves anybody, whether you're on the right or the left, I think what Maxine Waters did was not appropriate. Well, I think what wasn't really appropriate is the judge didn't sequester the jury during that trial. They could hear every talking head and what they were saying, and they knew that a lot of people were saying, well, if they don't find that guy guilty, they're going to burn down <laughs> Minneapolis. I know yeah, you that make they a heard great that. Point. You make a great point there. And obviously, what could have been a more political trial in a more troubled city? And so you make a very good point about uh, was the was the jury able to maintain its uh, 
separation from uh, the emotion of it. And we don't know. That's We're not there. But that's all the more reason why we don't need um, politicians to try to enter the judicial branch. Well, I mentioned this to uh, Ken, and I mentioned it to you, that one defense witness that said that, you know, Chauvin didn't use overwhelming force. Uh, he had his house smeared with blood. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're in a we're in a tough time, aided by aided and abetted by social media mania. And um, again, Americans need to be focused on their families, focused on their work, and not let politics and this kind of thing take over their lives. But yeah, I agree I with watched, you. Uh, I watched the Social Dilemma on Netflix, and then I watched the Great Hack on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, just deep in a funk about what I see social media doing to the political discourse in the country. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Congressman, I, I just was watching, you know, Biden and uh, Vice President Harris talking about how our nation is still systemically racist, that these types of rulings don't happen enough. And I just think it's so rich that Kamala Harris would talk about systemic racism when she is an African-American woman that's the vice president of the United States of America. And so, I mean, I, I just don't, I don't know if this is a real question or not, or if you just want to comment on my comment, but it just, it, it's really disheartening for me. I guess if you haven't noticed when we've hung out, Congressman, that I'm not white. But, <laughs> but uh, I mean, like, you know, I live the American dream every day. My parents, fled, you know, my dad fled communist China, as you know, and, and it really makes me angry when I hear about this, how we're systemically racist when we have people at the border and the hundreds of thousands and millions across the world trying to get into america not leave get in here and i I just don't know how you can stop that continual narrative from dc yeah well i love mike huckabee's famous quote all during the 2008 country uh campaign when he was running for president which was man i'm glad i live in a country that people want to try to break into rather than a country that people want to break out of and doesn't that summarize it beautifully our country is blessed 244 years plus of being the most welcoming country in the world. And, of course, we let over a million people come into this country legally. We have a a remarkable process for that. We are encouraging. Uh, We have the most open uh, society in in the world, and we are welcoming of all people, races, creeds, and colors. You can't say that other places, and that's why people are desperate to come here. And we work like dogs to keep an innovative, uh, growing, prosperous economy so that all these folks have a shot at that ultimate American dream. But I share your, your pain on that, Ken. I mean, I, I hate it. I'm asked, uh, you know, is <clears throat> by reporters, isn't America systemically racist? And I answered the question, no. I said, there's racism in our country, and there are racists in our country because we have a 330 million people out there. But if you said, uh, are our policemen systemically racist, I just I take huge offense at that. And that seems to be the whole call for defunding the police, which is now accelerating. That is also a theme that continues in the Pelosi House. All right. We're going to come back, talk more. I want to talk to the uh, congressman. And, Ken, I'm sure you'll have questions for him. He was uh, recently on the border here uh, of the United States with Mexico. We'll talk about his trip on that. And then talk a little bit about the Democrats still, uh, although they've gotten quiet about this now, packing 
uh, the Supreme Court. So we'll talk about that as well here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But while I've got time, you know, there's a lot of different businesses out there that have cleaned your home. I mean, you see their their cars driving around the highways and all of that. But I'm going to tell you the people that I think are the best at it. And that's St. Clarity Residential Cleaning. Uh, they'll come out to your house when you say that you want them to come out. They're going to come out. They got a clipboard. They got, you know, they've got questions they need to ask you about what you want done, how you want it done. Uh, when you want it done and all of that they're going to ask all those questions and they're the kind of company that gets down in the corners and cleans out that 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 dirt that you and i when we clean our house don't even worry about they're the ones that get down on their hands and their knees and clean your uh, your baseboards and i can't remember the last time i got down on my hands and knees to clean the baseboards i just repaint them so th- that's the ellswick way versus the St. Clarity uh, residential cleaning way, which is a much better way than my way, just the way it is, and probably better than your way, to be honest about it as well. Uh, If you've got a home that's up to 2,500 square foot, you're looking at about $300 to have St. Clarity come out and visit you and to uh, clean your home. However, here at 1011FM, the answer, we're making that a whole lot easier. Instead of paying $300, what if I told you you only have to pick, uh, pay $150? We'll give you 50% off with St. Clarity Residential Cleaning. And I, you know, I've talked with the owner of that uh, organization, that business. Uh, I've had her on my show. And she says that when they come out and they clean your house, uh, you're willing to pay full price then for them to come back out and do it again. That's uh, St. Clarity Residential cleaning go to 404-6560 that's the number uh 404-6560 and call chuck here at the station after nine o'clock this happens between nine and five you call chuck he'll take your uh information you know do a debit card credit card whatever and uh send out your 50 percent out off uh, certificate so that the folks at st clarity residential uh cleaning will come to your house and make it spick and span. And I'm not getting behind a product there. That's just an old saying, all right? Get it clean for you, uh, and you can uh, smell the cleanness of a St. Clarity residential uh, cleaning. That is 404-6560, after 9, to call for 50% off. All right, so the uh, congressman, Congressman Hill, has written a, a op-ed that uh, was in the Washington Examiner. I want to just read a small segment of it. On average, 2,200 apprehensions occur per day in the Rio Grande Valley sector, and typically 500 of those processed are unaccompanied children. In my previous visit to the same facility in April of 2019, I was told that 1,000 apprehensions per day was considered a disaster. Amid the COVID-19 pandemic, the facility should only hold 716 migrants. Yet, it is actively holding, hold on to your hat here, 3,500 and only migrants exhibiting symptoms are even tested for uh, COVID-19. You say in your op-ed that 
you've been down there six times in the last seven years. You've been across the border here in the uh, the United States with Mexico, and it is definitely the worst you have ever seen it, Congressman. Talk a little bit about this. <clears throat> Well, it's the worst, and it's the worst because the Biden administration uh, changed the Trump policies that were working. And this is a classic issue for your listeners who've spent their careers in business uh, or any leadership position. Biden comes in on office January 20th at noon, and he signs an executive order halting the wall construction, uh, ending the enforcement of immigration laws inside the United States where we expel criminals like MS-13 and other felons. He ends the remain in Mexico policy, and he uh, says uh, the border is back open. This created this humanitarian and national security crisis by those sweeping, stupid decisions. And here's here's the challenge of the reason why I bring up business or leadership. You don't end a policy that's working without something to replace it. He could have said in an executive order, I order the departments to review the Trump policies. And on May 1st, we'll take a look at what we want to do. But that's not what he did. That's what a good person, a good leader would have done if they were questioning the previous administration. But instead, he ended the whole thing. And we are now overwhelmed from Brownsville, Texas to San Diego uh, with this humanitarian crisis and a national security crisis. It's national security crisis because... When those green uniform men and women who work for the Border Patrol are pulled off all their patrol assignments, supplemented by the National Guard and supplemented by Texas uh, Highway Patrol and state troopers, to run these babysitting humanitarian operations, people transit operations, you've taken your eye off the ball, which is why fentanyl and drugs and smuggling of human trafficking beyond uh, these kids are happening all up and down the border. So, And, as you say, it's a public health crisis because they're not testing anybody for COVID-19. That's right. They just, you know, I mean, we're still being told by the Biden administration to wear masks, and they're allowing people to come into our country that are, uh, you know, they've got this disease, and they're just willy-nilly walking into our country. And let me tell you, I went to, you know, in the Rio Grande sector there at McAllen, Mission, that's the busiest area. That's why I went in April 2019 and I wrote the article about the differences. But that's also the area that had the least border security in terms of wall elements to support the technology and support the manpower. And so 110 miles had been approved by the Congress and appropriated funds for uh, with Homeland Security. And only 21 miles have been built, and uh, it's just they've walked off the job. And for the taxpayers listening, everybody, uh, we are paying those contractors not to work, plus a penalty, because we've now uh, violated our contractual obligation to get the job done on time. So the taxpayers are still paying for the wall that's not being built, and we're paying penalties to the contractors who were doing it. I'm I'm confused, Congressman, about how you're going to have to wait okay. to the next time. Get him next week because okay. we're out of time. <laughs> Congressman, have a good one and uh, get, over, week. get over there and see the Jefferson Memorial before it's underwater. Don't become too woke. All right. We'll, we'll <laughs> talk is. to you later. All right. Uh, it's the Dave Ellswick Show. Rush is next, and then we'll talk to Congressman Westerman. Okay, so if you have noticed, 
that your roof doesn't look as new as it used to, that the the shingles are showing damage and maybe you got a steel roof and it's uh, it's showing some problems, then you need to call who? Well, if you've been listening to my show any length of time, the first name that should have popped in your mind was P.I. Roofing. P.I. Roofing, owned by Joel and Veronica Johnson, do it right. No one from that company gets on your roof until they have passed a test that Joel personally uh, gives them. And uh, they also teach their workers the PI roofing way of doing roofing, which is a much more professional way than a lot of other people do it. Secondly, and most importantly, is that don't wait until the last moment, like uh, you get a tornado that comes through and tears up a bunch of people's roofs, and we get flooded from out-of-state people who come in and they say that they'll fix your roof and they'll, they'll quote you some ridiculously low price, and they'll tell you they'll get around your deductible, and uh, they'll get around this and they'll get around that, and then you find out in the middle of the job that they're doing uh, they pack up their stuff and don't show up the next day uh, to finish the work they're supposed to do. And then you don't know how to get a hold of them to try to force them to finish the work that they've started. It happens all the time. I've had Joel on the show talking about how this happens all the time. So call the people you can trust. Call the people who know what they're doing and tell them you want them to come out and take care of your roof. And that's PI Roofing. 707-3551 is their phone number. That's 707-3551. Or visit them online at piroofing.com. Joining us uh, from Washington now, uh, we've got Congressman Bruce Westerman from the 4th District. And uh, this is down around uh, where Ken lives, down in the Benton area. He starts there and then goes all over the place here in the state of Arkansas. Fourth District is huge and uh, may get bigger when they do redistricting. That may happen as well. But uh, Bruce is with us today. And, Congressman, let me start off that we're hearing more and more over the last week and a half about the Green New Deal. Now, you deal with... Uh, you know, our natural resources and things uh, on the committee that you serve. What's the Green New New Deal missing in their views of handling the problems that we face here in the United States? Well, good morning, Dave. Good morning, Ken. And the the main issue I have with the Green New Deal is it's not really about the environment. It's using that as a um, I think a smokescreen to push a socialist agenda. You know, if you look at what AOC put out about the Green New Deal originally, it had things in there like a uh, uh, a living wage or, or an income for those who couldn't work or who chose not to work. Um, it had, uh, you know, a lot of social programs mixed in with some environmental stuff. And it's uh, it's a lot of, about a lot more than the environment. And I think it's very dangerous. It's, it kind of mimics what they're doing with the infrastructure bill, where if you if you stretch and give credit to anything that could possibly be infrastructure, about twenty five percent of that two point three trillion dollars would go to 
conventional infrastructure, and the rest of it would go to what they're now terming social infrastructure. I love that. I, I Have you gone out and bought that copy of the Democratic lexicon that I told you you needed for your office? Well, it changes every day, so you, you couldn't uh, – <laughs> it wouldn't be worth much in a, in a few days. But that's exactly – you know, they try to change the change definitions, change the language and uh, and push new ideas. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's 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 deceitful for what it is. You know, who does who who did that for years of Stalin and uh, Mao? I mean, the commies did that all the time. Yeah, I, I just read today where, uh, uh, you know, Russia changed their law to where Putin can serve uh, until 2036. So uh, I'm, I'm sure that was a vote of the people and a, um, you know, well-received change that they made over there. Yeah, see, they won't, they won't call him chief. They're not going to call him president. They're going to call him commissar. I'm sure Major League, <laughs> I'm sure Major, Major League Baseball is going to weigh in on, on, on that over oh, there yeah. in Russia. Hey, I, I just want yeah, to you know. uh, pivot because I didn't get to ask Congressman Hill this question, but I'll ask you this question about the border. Uh, you know, I was just reading that uh, HHS is now getting involved with taking the uh, kids that are coming over the border. I, I, how is it possible that uh, an agency like HHS is allowed to go down there and tend to illegal immigrants while their sole purpose is to help Americans in health? And, like, how much money are they getting to do that? I mean, shouldn't they be audited just by the fact that the Biden administration is sending a U.S. government agency to go down there tend to these tens of thousands of children. Yeah, well, yeah, they should be audited. And, you know, at the end of the day, the Health and Human Services Secretary reports to the president, and I'm sure they're getting the directions from above that this is what, what you shall do. And, you know, there's some horror stories coming out of the of the southern border. Uh I've been talking to people who are flying, you know, are on flights out of South Texas, and they said that it's it's loaded down, or the flights are loaded down with illegals, and said they they don't have identification, and said they've not been COVID tested. They're just, uh, you know, put in the mix to go wherever the Biden administration send them around the country. That that's the. Uh... You're just stunned, Ken. Uh, just I'm just the, you, the, the look in his eyes where, say what? <laughs> I, it, it's and it's yep. a, yeah. I I just it's it's amazing. And then the, you know I see, uh, you know I see. I saw that President Biden finally called the it's the crisis at the border a crisis. But then uh, the yeah, and then sp- they then they spent the rest of the weekend trying to say he didn't really mean what he said. <laughs> yeah, I loved how Senator McConnell called it uh, woke. Proofreading. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's very that's very good. Hey, today, uh, uh, Congresswoman uh, Maxine Waters says you Republicans are just out to get her. Got any words for uh, the Congresswoman? Yeah, yeah, I got plenty of words. <laughs> woman, but um, you know, she she might want to look in the mirror and quit running her mouth on uh, on issues that jeopardize the judicial system um yeah and you know she's uh she's a champion at that of uh of going out and and saying uh things to incite people 
uh, you know, I thought it was uh, ironic that the left got uh, got upset about President Trump's speech, and you never heard him say a word about the things that uh, Maxine Waters and others have said. Of course not. This has been going on for quite some time. We remember just after Trump uh, got elected, Maxine Waters had that that little press conference there uh, on the side of the of the Capitol and. Uh, you know, she basically was trying to incite people then. She was telling go out there and you see those Republicans having dinner. You go up and, you know, and, and, and give them hell. I remember that. I think everybody else remembers that. I, I think uh, Sarah remembers that. She could talk about that. Yeah. You know, and, and Tlaib used all that nice language towards the president. Or was that Omar? I can't remember. I, I think that's Omar. Yeah, uh, they're one and the same. Yeah, yeah, they they both can't control their mouths. I mean, there, there are several of them that are that that way. Uh, you know, Sh- Sheila Jackson is the same way. And you know what's bad is that they don't live by my father's rule, which was, you know, better to keep your mouth shut and make people wonder if you're ignorant than to open your mouth and leave no doubt. And uh, they they do that. That actually comes from Scripture, Dave. That's a good, uh, a good, uh, good word to share. I always say that God gave us two ears and one mouth, and we should use them proportionately. <laughs> I'd go along with that. I would definitely go along with that as well. Well, we'll come back. We're going to talk more with you, uh, Congressman. Uh, we did find out from Congressman uh, uh, Hill that there was an article about the Jefferson Memorial. And by, I think he said, 2045 or something like that. It was supposed to be under several feet of water. So I don't know. Maybe somebody should be looking, starting a little ferry system there in Washington, D.C. to take you out to see the Jefferson Memorial. I don't know. We can talk about that uh, as well. So Dave Ellswick show. Our guest is Congressman uh, Bruce Westerman from the 4th District. We'll be back to him in just a moment. And uh, I want to talk to him about they got to be looking at this budget and they're hearing what the what the president wants to do. We're hearing what the Democrats want to do as far as uh, the Green New Deal. Where is all this money going to come from? And I've got the word for you. I'll tell you where it's going to come from when we come back. And then we'll let Congressman Westerman talk about that. But right now I need to uh, speak out on uh, the folks that are uh, going over uh, to get these new studies that are going on. Uh, dealing with diabetes, uh, diabetes, type 2 diabetes. This has uh, got limited spots uh, that are available over applied research. Uh, you may be eligible to participate in the study if you, one, have type 2 diabetes with inadequate glycemic control, or two, are on two or three diabetic medications. Qualified participants will receive study-related evaluations and study drugs at no cost, along with compensation for their time. Or if that's not for you, then maybe the acute back muscle spasm study would be at Applied Research. Uh, The resume study is currently seeking volunteers to participate in a clinical research study to evaluate a new non-opioid investigational medication for patients suffering from back pain due to or associated with muscle spasms. Eligible study participants will be compensated for their time, 
participation is voluntary and study participants can leave at any time and for any reason. What you need to do is call 501-954-7822 if you're interested in either of these studies. That's Applied Research, 501-954-7822. All right, you just joined us here on the Wednesday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. We've got Congressman Bruce Westerman with us, 4th District. Uh, With redistricting coming up, I'm going to get back to that money question with you, Congressman, but this just crossed my mind during the break. What are you seeing as far as redistricting for the 4th District? Is Is your district going to get bigger, do you believe? I think when you look at the population in the current 4th District compared to the other districts, you've probably seen a less of an increase than what you've seen in the 3rd District, uh, which you know is Northwest Arkansas, and in the 2nd District, which is Central Arkansas. And I think uh, the 1st District and the 4th District probably are, are behind in population-wise, so that means you're going to have to add more people. Now, whether it's more geography or not, that's up for the state legislature to determine but um you know they'll have to look at adjoining areas and figure out how to how to redraw those lines and if you look at the fourth district uh you know the big population centers that adjoin my district are uh saline county which is you know benton and bryant which that's a you can't have large number of people (laughs) you got pope county which is russellville and you got the rest of Sebastian County, which is Fort Smith. So I don't know how the legislature is going to do it, but they'll have to have to balance those numbers among the four districts. All right. Uh, let me go back to my question I told you I was going to ask you about. Uh, the Democrats are wanting to spend trillions upon trillions upon trillions of dollars. Uh, you just mentioned how much they're looking as far as the Green New Deal. And uh, if it's not crossing people's mind how are they going to pay for it because let me just tell you what they you guys don't have unlimited funds you do have a limit to the amount that you can spend or you can raise taxes now with that razor thin margin that uh, pelosi has is she going to have problems forcing through a tax increase you think well that's part of their infrastructure plan is to you know, I, I'm going to use their rhetoric to raise the taxes on the wealthy corporations. So they want to take the uh, the tax cut that we did in the Tax Cut and Jobs Act to make our corporate tax rate competitive with the rest of the world. And they want to bump that back above, um, you know, where our competition in the world is, which we're going to see that drive American businesses back overseas where we were we're seeing American businesses reshoring and new businesses starting here in this country. Um, they're going to raise that corporate income tax. They're also, uh, you know, they want to increase the death tax. Uh, all the all the taxes that they can go out and say these are taxes on wealthy people, uh, they want to raise those. What, uh, what about, is there any talk about, you know, Trump and, and the Republican uh Congress did a good job of stopping that uh, tax penalty on Obamacare. Is there any talk about resuming that of, of ma- the, the the personal mandate of, of having that penalty when you file your uh, tax tax returns? 
Well, in Medicare for All, or which is also part of the Green New Deal, um, they're going to increase taxes for for health care, and I think it'll be, um, you know, a lot more than what was in the so-called Affordable Health Care Act. So, you know, they're they're definitely looking at, at raising taxes, but that still won't pay for the um, um, the amount of spending that's being proposed. <clears throat> and the part they uh, conveniently leave out is that even after the tax cuts, um, the federal tax revenues continued to grow because you have more people working, more people paying taxes, more wealth being generated, and you're actually growing the treasury with people paying less less taxes. Um, and that's what happens when you have a, a growing economy. So what they're going to do is increase taxes and put the brakes on the economy. But fortunately for them, it won't look like the brakes are on the economy because we're coming out of a you know, recession-type situation because of the pandemic, and you're still going to see growth, but it's going to be muted growth compared to what uh, we would have seen uh you know, have they not started putting these draconian policies in place? I have a question that's probably more curiosity than anything, because, you know, uh, AOC's been, been pushing this. Does, does she ever talk to the other side Republicans? And especially, does she like, has she ever approached you? I mean, you're the only Forrester in, in Congress. You're an Ivy League uh, graduate. You know your stuff about the environment, obviously, I mean, I'm just curious, like someone from New York like that, I mean, would she even accept an invite? Well, I don't know if you would want to invite her, but would she ever accept an invite for to tour, uh, uh, you know, the 4th Congressional District and to just have a conversation about how, how wrong she is? She probably wouldn't want to have a conversation about how wrong she is. <laughs> um, uh, I have, um, you know, walked past her and, you know, hi, how are you doing? And She's really never acknowledged me. I will say I was on an elevator with her one day, which I talked to a lot of Democrat members of Congress and a lot of Democrats talked to me. But I was on an elevator with her one day, and, you know, that's kind of kind of awkward to people on the elevator. Yep. And um, I tried to make casual conversation, and it was kind of like she didn't have the time of day for me. So uh, I don't think she's really interested in talking to uh, white male Republicans. Do you think that she adheres to the Biden definition of bipartisanship? I think she's a Bernie. She's a disciple of Bernie Sanders. And, uh, you know, I mean, she it's because of her that made Biden look more centrist. Yeah. Uh, but she and Bernie and you know the far left are the ones that are really pulling Democrats even further left than you, you thought they could go. But you, you can't get far enough left uh, for AOC and Bernie. And they're they're socialists. And they don't – that's not a – they wouldn't consider that a, a slight on them to call them socialists. That's who they are and what they want to be. I don't know if I call them socialists anymore, Congressman. I think that they're, they're bordering very strongly on being communists. They yeah, want, they want control of everything. Yeah. Well, socialism typically leads to, to communism. But it's uh, if I remember what I studied about that 
a long time ago, the difference between communism and socialism is that communists use force to achieve their objectives where uh, socialists so supposedly it's a uh, it's agreed upon by society to be socialist. Yeah, well, we know about that that uh, violence. We see it in the streets every day now. They're using it now. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're doing it. They're doing it. We got we're out of time. We appreciate you joining us, Bruce. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, the whole thing about having AOC come down and do the fourth district and let him show her the facts of thing. She's a lefty. She don't care about facts. That's that's the key. Yeah, I would I would go to I get I would go to New York City and and look at the the great environmental stewardship in downtown New York City <laughs> with her. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you later, Congressman. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you, Dave. Have a good one. All right, bye bye now. Yeah, that's uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman. And if you've ever noticed, when we have the congressman on, we have a little bit of fun yeah. in talking with them, and that's the way it should be. But they're working hard for all of us up in in Congress and, and trying to do the right thing. If you don't think they're doing the right thing, send them an, a text. Send them an email. They're, they're open to hearing from you. They're very easily accessible. Yeah, really. Ken, thanks so much for coming in. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. It's nice having you in on all, all the Wednesdays. I like having I like you it. coming by. All right, we'll yeah. see you next Wednesday. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, we'll get back together tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., and uh, we'll be talking <gasps> politics here on the Dave Ellswick Show. So I'll see you then.